Good morning. What a privilege it is to be with you as it always is. I always look forward to the times of coming and sharing God's word with you. And then this morning to know that I get to be a part of the graduation service and my congratulations to all of you graduates. And I'm really impressed with the things that were said and what you've done and looking forward to knowing that God has some great things in store for you and good advice you've already been given. I appreciate that verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Thank you so much. A lot of good truth and a lot of promises in God's word that you can cling to and hold on to, not only now, but in the days ahead. And those of us that are much older can uh, attest to that to let you know, thank God, there are promises in his word that will see us through regardless of what stage in life we're at, regardless of how old we are or what's going on, thank God for his word, amen? So I encourage you to continue to stay in his word and seek guidance from his word because there's a lot of guidance out there that is not good advice. And so I pray that you'll seek godly advice and counsel, not only from godly people, but from God's word. And uh, so thank you again for having me here. I apologize, and I'm so sad that I do not have any days available to be with you during camp meeting. I always enjoy being able to stop by at camp and share a service or so with you, and my schedule will not allow me to do that. So I'm even more glad now to be able to be with you today for this service. And so thank you for that. Would you bow your head with me, please, for a word of prayer? Father in heaven, as we bow before your presence this morning, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, for this Lord's Day that we have set aside to worship you. Thank you for those that have come to do that. Thank you, Lord, for the invitation and opportunity you've given to us to be here in your house and to share your word. Thank you for traveling mercies across the highway this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the time of worship and the beautiful songs that have reminded us, Lord, we've got, we've got so much to be thankful for, and you've been so good to us. And Lord, we have every reason to praise you and thank you. We look to you this morning now asking for your divine assistance. I pray that you would help me as we get into your word. May your spirit speak through me and flow through me as you speak to our hearts and minister to us, not only to these graduating, uh, graduating individuals, but Lord, to everyone that is here as well. May your spirit minister to us. I pray that as a result of our being here this morning, we'd be drawn closer to one another, and especially we'd be drawn closer to you. May you be glorified for all that's accomplished. In the name of Jesus, we humbly bow and ask these things. Amen. Well, I know that for you graduates, there's a lot of advice that you're being given. 
Uh, perhaps there were speakers at your graduation services where they gave you advice as well. And so I'm going to be, add to that advice from the Word of God this morning. One of the things that concerns me for our graduates and for our young people in general is that I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but there's a lot of bad advice out there that our young people are getting in the day in which we live. Amen? Watch my head, this is the right answer. Amen, Brother George. There's a lot of bad advice out there that's being given to our young people. I think maybe I've alluded to some of it in other messages that I've preached to you before, but just let me call attention to some of those again just to remind you where I'm coming from with this. Well, some of the advice that our young people is being given in the day in which we live is that people are telling them, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Any of you heard anything like that? Just follow your heart. Can I share with you this morning? That's horrible advice. Not because I'm giving it. It's just horrible advice based upon the Word of God. I'm reminded of what Jeremiah told us. We already heard from Jeremiah 29, 11, But in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And then I'm reminded of what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 28. And I love Proverbs 28, verse 25. The last part of verse 25 is one of my new life theme verses, and you'll hear it here in just a minute. But in Proverbs 28, verses 25 and 26, Solomon said this, He that is of a proud heart, he that hath a proud heart, stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. I found out my problem when it comes to the battle of the bulge. I thought it was because I was eating too much, but apparently it's just because I trust God a whole lot. He that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Now, for those of you that are graduates, I want you to get this in verse number 26. And some of us adults need to catch this as well. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. And so contrary to a lot of advice that's being given out there, just follow your heart. We know from the Word of God that that's not good advice. The heart's deceitful. And he that putteth this trust in his heart is a fool, said Solomon. And so you can't follow your heart unless, specifically, unless you know that your heart is right with God. Amen? And that's the first thing you need to make sure of as you start this venture in life is to make sure you know that your heart is right with God. There's another bit of advice that concerns me because there are those that were saying, and I'm sure you young people have heard this, well, you just live your truth and you live your truth and you live your truth and you live your truth. Well, the problem with that is if everybody lives their own truth, then we have no truth at all. Don't get quiet on me now. But I want you to understand that there is absolute truth. 
It's hard to believe it takes me back. I, I remember when I was in the shoes of you graduates. It's been 48 years ago. On, Mar on May the 25th, 1975, I was going through what you're going through. It's hard to believe it's been 48 years. But I'm now old enough that I remember that what I've seen things change in our society. When I first started out in grade school in 1963, they were even still talking about creation. I attended public school and they were teaching about creation and they were teaching that evolution was just a theory. And then they also started teaching that there were really no absolutes and they started teaching about relativism. And so for the last 50 years or so, our young people that have grown up through the school system have been told that lie that there are no absolutes and that there is no absolute truth and everything is just relative and what you perceive to be right may not be what you perceive to be right. What you perceive to be wrong may not be what you perceive to be wrong. And so there's just been all of this gray area. And now I've got to the point where we've gotten to the place in our society to where we went from black was black and white was white, right was right and wrong was wrong, and then about 50 years of relativism, all of this gray area. But now I can say we've now gotten back to black and white. The only problem is we've seen a flip in morals in our society that what used to be wrong is now considered right, and what used to be right is now considered to be wrong. And I thought, oh, God, help us. And so we see the advice that's being given out there. Just live your own truth. I'm reminded of what we read in the book of Judges. In Judges chapter 17, verse 6, and again in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, it said, And in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That sounds like exactly what's going on in our society today. Everyone is doing what they th feel is right in their own eyes. Whether it's right according to the law, whether it's right according to what other people think, whether it's right according to what God's Word says, they're doing what is right in their own eyes. God help us. But I said all that to say this. Let's get to our scripture lesson this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians chapter number 6. In Galatians chapter number 6, I want to call your attention to verses 7, 8, and 9. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7, 8, and 9. Here's some words of warning and words of advice that the Apostle Paul is giving to these believers at the churches in Galatia. This is not only good words of warning and advice for our graduates, but these are good warnings, words of warning and advice for everybody that's here this morning. And the sooner we hear this, and the sooner we take this to heart, the better off we will be in the days and decades ahead. 
This is some advice that I wish would have been preached and taught to us when I was the age of these graduates. And many of you will probably say amen to the same thing because you could have spared yourself a lot of problems and a lot of heartaches in life if we'd have learned what is said here in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What we have here in Galatians is that the Apostle Paul is sharing with us a law of God. And there are several laws of God throughout the Word of God that he gave us to govern our lives by. And some of those things we discover that if we don't follow those laws, we can get in trouble very quickly. And I think about why when I think about God creating the heavens and the earth and putting things in order, and one of the things that we need to understand is that God has put some things in order in such a way that he doesn't have to micromanage everything that he created. I mean, when the Lord, when, when we woke up this morning, it wasn't like God said, oh, this is Sunday morning. I better get busy. I better sun. You better light. You got to light up today for those people. He didn't have to tell the sun to come out and shine this morning. And when, when we woke up this morning, it wasn't like the Lord said, oh, oh no, I better get busy because I put them on an earth that is spinning around on its axis. And I've got, there's nearly 8 billion people on that planet. And I'm going to be busy today trying to catch them and keep them from being flung out in outer space. That did not happen because he put a law in place called the law of gravity. And this morning, we didn't get flung off this planet because of the rotation around its axis. We, God had put us gravity to hold us here. But I got news for you. One of these days, gravity will lose its hold on us and we'll head out of here. Amen. So there's the laws of gravity. I remember when I was a youngster, not because I have a good memory, it just wasn't that long ago, but I remember when I was a youngster, I discovered the laws of gravity. I, I thought I was going to, you know, I'd watch some superhero movies and shows, you know, and Superman and Batman and Robin and the such like, and I got this bright idea that I was going to fly like one of those superheroes. And so I donned a cape and I was smart enough to think it would probably take more than the cape. And I took mom's umbrella and I climbed up to the top of our swing set and I jumped off the swing set. And I discovered, oops, was too late. That regardless of how much, it may have worked in the cartoons that when they were able, they fell off a cliff and they were able to scurry like that and make it back. I discovered that don't happen in reality. 
And the moment I jumped off the top of that swing set with that umbrella that I was going to use as a parachute, and that thing went wrong side out, and it turned up and I turned down, and I discovered gravity very quickly. Regardless of my regrets, regardless of the poor decision that I wish I hadn't made, regardless of my attempts to undo what had happened, I still hit the ground. There were laws of gravity that had taken place and taken effect. But what we have in Galatians is not the law of gravity that God has put in the place, but it's the law of the harvest. And we need to understand what Paul said to them. And he's saying this to believers. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The law of sowing and reaping. One of the things that concerns me is that we have a biblical concept. We have a biblical law of God that is being replaced by a lot of false religions out there. And one of the things that's being replaced with that's even creeping within our own Christian churches. And I think some of our folks don't even realize that they've bought into some kind of false thought or religion or that they have drawn themselves alongside a false teaching. How many of you heard of something called karma? And I can't tell you how many times that I've heard of something happening in somebody's life. Or many times I've seen it written that so-and-so got what they deserve and somebody will say something about, well, karma got them. Or karma's going to get them. Or sometimes they even use an expletive to describe what karma is. And they don't realize, and I've even heard people in our churches make a reference to karma. And I don't think they realize that they have connected themselves with false teaching. Karma is a teaching of Buddhism and Hinduism. And it's a substitute for the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. It's not karma. It's a law of the harvest of what the Lord said. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. But here's the good thing about that. Not only does it have a negative concept to it, but it also has a positive concept. If we think about sowing and reaping, we normally think that only as a negative thing. But Paul lets us know that there are two contrary realms here to be considered. One realm is sowing to the flesh. And the other realm is, we've got another option. We can also sow to the Spirit. I'm reminded what he said in the previous chapter. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, he said, This I say then, if we walk in the Spirit, 
we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And so we have two contrary realms. We got an option. Young people, graduates, adults, senior citizens, we got two options. We can choose to sow to the flesh, or we can choose to sow to the spirit. You say, does it really make a difference? Watch my head. Yes, because we also see that there's two different results. You have the opportunity to sow to the flesh, but mark it down. You will reap corruption, but you can also choose to sow to the Spirit and you can reap life everlasting. So we have contrary realms and we also have, we see the results that can happen because of that. Let me ask you this, but don't answer it out loud. What have you been sowing to in your life? Have you been sowing to the things of the flesh or sowing to the things of the Spirit? There's another bit of bad advice that some of our young people are getting. And of all things, they get this advice from older adults. How many times have you heard, and I remember people, we kind of pass it off as a way of life and say, well, you know, you have to go out there and sow your wild oats. Watch my head. No, you don't have to. You do not have to sow wild oats. You do not have to sow to the flesh. You can sow to the Spirit. And we must not advise our young people to so go out and sow their wild oats with the attitude, well, everybody does it. Well, everybody doesn't have to do it. You must not encourage anybody to sow their wild oats if you don't warn them and remind them that one day there's going to come a time when you reap what you have sown. And some of us have now lived long enough to find out that that reaping is not so pleasant. Let me share with you briefly. And if I ever get a chance to come back and preach for you again at an extended time, if the Lord would allow me, I'll go back and revisit this because there's several different messages in this passage of Scripture that I would love to share with you this morning, but time simply would not allow. But what I will do is share with you some of the highlights or points of what that message could look like because there are several consequences that we need to consider, several things that we need to consider when it comes to sowing and reaping. The first thing I want you to understand this morning is that we reap only what has been sown. We reap only what has been sown. And regardless of what age we are right now, we need to understand this. I don't know what it is that you've been reaping in your life or what you're reaping now, right now, but I know this. What any of us are reaping right now was something that was sown at an earlier season. That's the law of the harvest. 
As I was driving here, and in the last several weeks, as I drive along the countrysides, I've watched that the farmers have been preparing their fields. And now as I saw those discs that were in the field and, and tilling it up and the such like, and, and realizing that they were also treating it for weeds, at the same time they were planting seed. And now some of those same fields that I was passing earlier, where the tractors were in there preparing it earlier. I now see shoots that are coming up and some of it is soybeans and some of it is some kind of grain and some of it is corn but they are not harvesting that yet. In fact this fall as I will travel around to fall revivals those tractors will be back in the fields and combines will replace some of the tractors and they'll be harvesting that. What? That will be about August, September, October, they will be harvesting that. But it was the fields, it was the crops that they were planting in this past month. We reap only what has been sown. And guess what? Every one of those fields where they will harvest corn will be because corn was planted in the spring. In those fields where they harvest soybeans, it will only be because soybeans was planted in the spring. We're reaping now what has been sown. We reap only what has been sown. And we are now, I listened to the testimonies of some of these graduates and they were talking about the influence this church and the people of this church had on their lives. Talking about the influence that mom and dad had on their lives. Talking about the various things that they did earlier on in their life. Though they're reaping now things that were sown earlier in their lives. It could be negative things. It could be positive things. I'm standing before you this morning because I am reaping now what had been sown earlier in my life. I had an aunt and uncle that took me under their wing and they mentored me and they prayed for me and they were my spiritual influencers. And what I am spiritually, I am largely due to what they had sowed into my life. 50 some years ago, I am reaping now what was sown so many years earlier. There are some of you going through some horrible physical times, but maybe that you're reaping some things of what you did several years ago before you knew the Lord. I, I've heard a lot of people say this. If I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself when I was younger. Some of you that are older could say amen, Brother George. And so we're reaping, when it comes to sowing and reaping, we reap only what has been sown. Sometimes we wonder. Sometimes we even have a tendency to want to blame God and question God. Oh God, why is this happening to me? Why has this difficulty come to my life? Why am I dealing with this? 
when we need to sit and realize that it wasn't God's fault. And it's not because God doesn't love us. It's because God has set a law in the motion of sowing and reaping. And God would have a right to say to us, you're simply going through what you're going through because you are harvesting what you reaped several years ago. If you want to reap blessings, you have to sow blessings. If you want to reap generosity, you have to sow generosity. If you want to reap friendliness, you have to sow friendliness. If you want to reap kindness, you have to sow kindness. If you want to reap love, you got to sow love to people. But if you reap bitterness... If you sow bitterness, you'll reap bitterness. If you if you sow anger, you'll reap anger. If you sow unforgiveness, you'll reap unforgiveness. And sometimes we wonder why are we reaping what we're reaping? And we need to take a trip down memory's lane and remind jolt our memory of maybe some of the things that we've sown that we've forgotten about. We reap only what we sow, and we're reaping what has been sown. Whether you sowed it, or whether someone else sowed it. See, one of the things we don't realize is that sometimes we reap things that somebody else sowed into our lives. I'm reminded of a judgment that God put upon the people of Israel. And four times in the Word of God, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, in Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9, here's what the Lord said to His people. The sins of the fathers will be visited upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation. God was saying this to his people who were being disobedient to his word, who were refusing to go into the promised land and rather chose to flounder in the wilderness. And he said to that generation, the sins of you fathers will be visited upon your children under the third and fourth generation. So what we need to realize, there was an entire generation of young people that had to go through the wilderness wandering, not because of their disobedience to God, but because of their generation before them, their disobedience to God. And some of the things we're experiencing in our society, we would like to blame the young people. But the young people are simply reaping what another generation has sown of disobedience to God. I'm reminded. June the 25th, 1962. I was five years old. Now, I don't remember because I remember hearing it on the news. I remember this because it's a historical fact. But in June the 25th, 1962, the Supreme Court of the United States made a landmark decision 
of separation of church and state is no more because of the many lawsuits by a well-known atheist by the name of Madly Murray O'Hare. They ruled in her favor to remove prayer from public schools as part of this separation of church and state. That's 61 years ago. And our country and our young people are reaping what was sown in 1962 and that decision. August 15th through the 18th, 1969, there was a historic event that took place. I wasn't there. I was only 12 years old at the time. But there was a historic event that took place August 15th through the 18th, 1969. But there were a lot of people that went there, a lot of, a lot of impressionable young people that went there. It was in a muddy field in Pennsylvania, Woodstock. And they're going along with that culture of the rock and roll music and the influence of the drug culture and that. And that has influenced and shaped the thinking and the lives of a lot of people from that moment on. In fact, many of the people, many people who were the age at the time Woodstock was going on are now the leaders of our country and the leaders of the political and governments of our cities and our states. In fact, we had a former president, not the one that you're thinking of, but another one. When asked about if they ever smoked marijuana, he said, oh, I smoked, but I didn't inhale. <laughs> That's the same president that said he didn't have sex with that woman either. And I thought, Lord, help us. And so we're reaping. You think about the decisions that are being made in our state houses and in our, in our country and our government. And we think a lot of decisions that were made and the influence of free thinking and free love and all this other stuff that's going on. We, our country is reaping what has been sown 50, 60 years ago. We reap only what has been sown Here's another thing, we reap, we reap the same thing that has been sown. We reap the same thing that has been sown. There's a lot of you, I don't know how many of you are gardeners. Some of you may not have acreage of vegetables planted. Some of you may have a raised bed in your backyard. And I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm not quite getting understanding why you take a piece of ground that you could plant something in, but then you put boards around it and build it up higher so you can put dirt in it so you can plant something on top of that. Some of you get that on the way home. It looks to me like you could have skipped a couple of steps and just stuck it in the ground where you put the boards. But anyway, but that would require us to bend over, wouldn't it? Maybe that was it. But we reap only what, we reap the same thing that has been sown. Don't go out in your garden in July and August 
and scratch your head and say, I don't understand. I don't have any corn. Well, what did you plant? Green beans. You will not get corn if you plant green beans. I don't understand all these vines and I don't have one cucumber. Well, what kind of seed did you plant? Squash and watermelon? You will not get cucumbers from squash and watermelon. Hello? You only reap what you sow. And sometimes we scratch our head wondering, why is this coming upon us? When we need to go back and reconsider, it may be because either I or someone before me had to have planted or sown this seed. Deception, lies, don't get quiet on me now. And so we reap what has been sown. We reap the same thing that has been sown. But here's another thing. We reap in a different season than has been sown. If you planted things last week, guess what? You ain't going to play, you, unless it was green onions, you're not going to get to harvest it anytime soon. It's going to be about 60 to 90 days for most things. You may plant it in May after the threat of frost, but you're not going to reap that until about July or August, amen? And some of it will be even longer than that. We reap in a different season. You say, I understand that. What's that got to do with me spiritually? Well, I'm glad you asked. You're still asking good questions. I'll tell you what it has to do with. It's because sometimes if somebody gives you bad advice, like, well, go out and sow your wild oats, and you go out and have a good time on the town, and you go feed the flesh and do all sorts of things that you know biblically you shouldn't be doing, and you get up the next morning, and realize other than the hangover, you may think, whoo, I got by with it. Uh-uh. I'm afraid that there are some church folks that will go out Monday through Saturday and sow their wild oats and then they come to church on Sunday and pray for crop failure. Some of you get that on the way home. Are you getting it? You sow, you sow your wild oats on Monday through Saturday and then pray, oh Lord, don't let anything come of that. And just because we may not see the effects of that immediately, the law of the harvest is it comes at a different season. And we may reap it. It may be months later or it may be years later before you reap what was sown. We reap only what has been sown. We reap the same thing that has been sown. And we reap in a different season than we sow. Here's the fourth thing. And this is one thing that we really need to take into consideration. And that is we reap more than what we sow. We reap more than what we sow. Now, unless you're planting onions, heads of lettuce, heads of cabbage, radishes, turnips, 
and things like that. You know what kind of yield you're going to get with those crops? You're going to get one vegetable. Carrots, for example. You'll get one vegetable for every one seed. Makes you want to grow out and grow a bunch of them, don't it? I only get one vegetable for one seed. However, there's far more vegetables that you'll get a whole lot just from one seed. You look at those cornfields. From one kernel of corn, those farmers, when they have the combines in the field in the fall, they will hope, unless the raccoons and deer have eaten them all up, they're hoping for at least one to two years on each stock. And you look, notice how many kernels of corn are on one ear. And they get that from one kernel. I mentioned about cucumbers earlier. From one little cucumber seed. Isn't it amazing how much that vines out and how many cucumbers? Some of you who have planted cucumbers will have so many, you'll be bringing them to church and giving them away. And I hope I'm here when you're doing it. And the same way my son has one of those. He has several raised beds in his backyard. And they, they, one of the things, they have those little cherry tomatoes, which is my least favorite tomato because I can't stand those things exploding in my mouth. I want to slice it and put it on my cheeseburger. I don't want it blowing up in my mouth. But anyway, they plant those little cherry tomatoes and they have more of those things than they can eat and give away. And I tell them, I don't want them. But they get all of that from one little tomato seed that grows one plant. And my, what a bumper crop you get from that. We reap more then we sow. And sometimes, why Hosea, in the book of Hosea, Hosea shared this with us. In Hosea chapter 8, verse number 7, he said, there are those who sowed to the wind. And guess what they reaped? They reaped the whirlwind. They sowed to the wind, and they reaped the whirlwind. We reap only what has been sown. We reap the same thing that has been sown. We reap in a different season than has been sown. And we reap more than has been sown. Fifth thing, we reap proportionately to what has been sown. Last fall, last October, I was in revival in Northwest Ohio, where it's really, really flat. And at that time I was in that revival, they were harvesting soybeans and corn. And there were acres upon acres, fields, flat, open fields, full of soybeans and corn. And those combines were in the fields. Not only were they in the field when I was going to the revival service, but at night, late at night as I was going back, even after I stopped to eat, they had their lights on the tractors and they were there during the night harvesting that. I found out that there was one of those farmers attending revival was one of those uh, har uh, farmers that had the fields of corn and soybeans. 
And I asked him, I said, how many acres are you harvesting? He said, oh, I've just got a small farm. We only harvest about 5,000 acres. That's small. Oh, yeah. These guys you see going back to your hotel room, they've got like 15,000 that they're harvesting. Well, guess what? That farmer that only had 5,000 acres of corn cannot expect to reap what those guys who have 15,000 acres. You reap proportionally to what you sow. If you reap an acre, you can only expect to get what an acre can yield. And young people, I'm saying all this to say this to you. This is why adults, we need to be getting our children to the Lord early. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but if we don't get them to the Lord earlier and earlier, younger and younger, chances are we're going to lose them. Because the world is getting a quick hold on them. And you don't think that's the case? You think about the sexploitation and all the sexual material that's being bombarding our children in grade school. You think about the things they're being exposed to in grade school and this whole, this whole gender garbage of this. Uh, have you ever seen a time when we had such a hard time figuring out what we were and who we were? God, I don't know how our high school teachers are teaching English. Because when I went to school, we had singular pronouns. Boys and girls were he and she. And if they said they and them, we were talking about the whole class, not one person. Don't get quiet on me now. Reason we need to get our young people to the Lord early is because some of you Say, Brother George, you won't realize all the heartache and heartbreak I went through in my life because there were some of you, you were maybe 40 or 50, maybe 60 years old before you gave your heart to the Lord. You have sown 40, 50 years to the flesh. And guess what? You will reap what 40 and 50 years of sowing to the flesh will harvest. That's why if I'm going to sow to the flesh, I'd rather it be an acre's worth rather than 5,000 acres worth of reaping. And we need to let them know, don't sow to the flesh, sow to the Spirit. The reaping is so much more pleasant. We reap proportionately. Some of us have been reaping for what we sowed to the flesh for decades. Let's get our children to the Lord early so they don't have to reap those wild oats, what the wild oats will bring. Last thing. In verse number nine, notice what Paul said. Let us not be weary in well-doing. 
For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. We see that there, when it comes to sowing to the Spirit, we're only going to have the, that great harvest at the end if we persevere, if we faint not. You know what I've noticed? Now, I used to, I grew up, we grew up in a country. Dad is with me, George Sr. If you ask him to introduce himself to you, he always says, I'm his father. But anyway, I learned to farm. I learned to grow things from dad. Dad always had a garden, and whatever dad planted, mom would harvest and, and can it. And even when mom said, I'm done canning, I'm not canning anymore. Even when she was going through cancer treatment and working through that, she said, I'm not canning anymore. And dad would plant a garden, and mom couldn't stand for it to go to waste, and she would always can it. But one of the things we need to understand, I used to, I used to take on that. I used to grow a garden. When I was pastoring, I had a small garden there at the parsonage in the backyard. But since I've been on the road, I haven't grown a garden in the last 21 years. Because here's the problem. I like to have my garden cleaned out. I like to have it weed-free. I like it looking nice and neat. But I don't know if you've noticed this or not. It takes a lot of work to do that. And here's the bad part. After you've done all that hard work to hoe and cultivate and weed that out, it don't take long for those weeds to sprout back up. And if you don't stay at it, the weeds will take over. And there have been times because of being on the road, maybe I'm off in another state at a camp meeting, 10, 12 days, and I get back home, and the garden that I'd worked so hard to have weed-free and have cultivated has been, now been overrun by weeds. I don't like that. So I just give up. I, I stopped planting a garden because I don't like dealing with the weeds. You know what I discovered? If you're going to have a good harvest, you're going to have to persevere. You might even say, you better hold on. Boy, I'd make a good song, wouldn't it? That'd be a good one for you all to sing sometime. We need to hold on. We got to persevere. You got to work at it. You got to stay at it. But I got news for you. If you persevere and stay at it, the harvest is going to be worth it. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Amen. But you know what I also discovered? You don't have to do a thing for the weeds to take over. Just do nothing. And they will flourish. And some of us are having trouble spiritually because we think we can get through life doing nothing about spiritual disciplines and cultivating spiritual things in our life. And we wonder, why does it seem like the weeds are taking over in my spiritual experience? Because if you want a good harvest, you got to persevere and stay at it. Keep the weeds out. You just do nothing. And that's like these folks that show up at church Christmas and Easter, 
show up at church once a month and declare that they're a faithful attender. And they wonder, why did I got so many weeds spiritually? Because you're not cultivating spiritual things. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the Spirit, you reap life everlasting. Would you stand with me, please? Brother Justin, would you come and get a song for us? This morning, if there's somebody here that's sick and tired of what you've been reaping, maybe it's time to stop sowing what you've been sowing. Maybe you're reaping some things that somebody else sowed into your life. Or is your family's going through things and reaping things because of what somebody else did? Well, maybe this morning would be a good time to say, I'm stopping the cycle. Somebody else may have sown that, but I'm not sowing it anymore. I'm going to sow spiritual things into my family. I want my family to reap spiritual things. I'm tired of sowing to the flesh. I'm tired of reaping the corruption. I want to reap eternal things. Father in heaven, thank you for your word this morning. Speak to our hearts. Lord, you put some laws into motion. This law of the harvest, it's just like the law of gravity. It's irrefutable. It's irreversible. Lord, speak to us. Sowing and reaping. May this speak to our young people who are beginning their adult lives. There's a lot of bad advice they're being given. The world is giving them horrible advice. Lord, even as Solomon had said in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. He shall direct your paths. Lord, Start directing their paths, if you haven't already, this morning. And may your spirit direct them to a place of prayer. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.